Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about impulsivity. And for any of you who have a child who has impulsivity issues, you are, (laughs) I'm sure, just really ready for this one. So when it comes to impulsivity, you'll find that there are multiple variations of what an impulsive child looks like. You'll have some kids where it's pretty benign behavior, but it's frustrating, and other kids that it's pretty intense behavior and also frustrating. So remember when I talk about this, I'm just a mom, and this is just based on the research that I do for me. But here's what I found out when researching impulsivity. There tends to be about four different categories regarding impulsivity. You have the lack of thinking ahead, seeking sensation, the lack of perseverance, and number four is urgency. So when I was looking this up, one particular article caught my eye, and it was from sciencedirect.com, and it's called Social Cognitive Neuroscience, Cognitive Neuroscience Clinical Brain Mapping, and I believe they're going for the facets of impulsivity and its measurement. And what's fascinating is when you put the related terms there, they have borderline personality disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, executive functioning, that's essentially your decision making, and hyperactivity. So they have those as the terms to help describe like what, what this impulsivity issue is. So when it is talking about Lack of premeditation. I feel like that one just needs a little bit of clarification. Well, I'm going to clarify them all, but the lack of premeditation, you know, they don't think about things before they do it. I would say for sure that is where my reactive attachment child lies, for sure. Sensation seeking, yes, she also falls into that category. Lack of perseverance is when something can't keep their attention. And while she has this one, I actually have another child who has this one too. And then number four is urgency. They, I feel like this kind of falls into the sensation seeking part. But um, it, when it talks about it in the article, it says, and I'll just quote this, the urgency domain is probably best broken down to two distinct domains of negative and positive urgency. The negative urgency domain, which occurs in the face of negative emotional states is distinct from other facets of impulsivity as it is associated with personality factor of neuroticism. Okay. So, okay. And then they have the positive side of that where now in the article, they sort of list this one as completely different than the other groups. And since they're smarter than me, I'm going to just let them have that one. <laughs> they, they can have it, but it, it talks here about how they are surprised that there are different, they say that this one particular area has a bigger relation to personality, including low conscientiousness or high extroversion, which is also something that my reactive attachment child has. So when you're dealing with impulsivity, I tend to lump it in to the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is where your thoughts, your actions, and your emotions are regulated. Well, if your child has never had these parts of their brain line up, say that they were neglected like mine was, these portions of the brain never really, they never really work properly ever. So it's not like 
they have moments where it does. They just mostly don't have it work. And so you end up having to figure out how to fill in these empty portions of the brain. Now, if you go through and you look at, and again, this is from Science Direct, and it talks about the prefrontal cortex. It says that it is where you would do your complex planning, your problem solving, your learning and memory, your executive functions, your personality expression, your decision making, and the modulation of social behavior. So this is a fair, oh, and self-awareness. I think I even left that one out. This is huge. This is a huge part of what it takes to be a human being on this planet. Because being able to problem solve, and I like to think of this when it comes to both of my children who have ADHD, is that they can't see anything in the future. They can't see past whatever feelings they're having in this exact moment. And they can't see what a consequence or a decision will do to them in the future. They'll just do whatever feels like it needs to happen now. Now, again, sometimes this is on a scale where sometimes this is no big deal. It's just not a big deal. They'll go over and they'll take their socks off and they'll just put them wherever they are. And that's kind of a benign thing. It's annoying, but it's benign. Or one of my kids, whenever the TV's on, he cannot help himself. He has to be staring at the TV. It is, <laughs> it's, it's humorous, but of course it's also concerning because he'll just, you know, eyes wide open. He's trying to go to the laundry room to get his pajamas and he walks by where someone has the TV on and he just can't. He cannot make it all the way to the laundry room. He gets distracted by the television. Easily distracted and both of these kids of mine cannot see that end goal. It, It just doesn't factor in. So how in the world do you raise a child who can't seem to see any kind of consequences or see any kind of outcomes that could help them make a decision? Now, I have another child who, when she makes a decision, she has thought of 950 different outcomes. And it's it's like a lot, like maybe even too much. And so I would guess that her prefrontal cortex is like, constantly going, which is probably another problem. Again, though, just a reminder, not every, not, nobody's perfect. Not anyone is going to get this right. Some people are going to have too much. Some people are going to have too little and it's okay. I think it makes the world a really exciting place. Well, sometimes our impulsivity looks dangerous and sometimes it looks incredibly intense, but other days it's just a lot of tiny things. So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what today looked like. So she woke up at four in the morning and she turned on a bunch of lights and went and grabbed all of her blankets and some books and went into the living room to read. So I know that she's five and she doesn't really understand you know, what time of day it is. She doesn't really understand how to read what time of day it is. So she just is like, hey, I'm awake. It's morning. Let's go. So I send her back to bed and she goes back to bed. I mean, there's much to her credit. She didn't really fight me. Well, she just told me she's like, brother does this. (laughs) And I was like, brother's older. He knows what time it is. And he doesn't do this at four in the morning. Go back to bed. So when it's time for her to get up, she's already offended and she's tired. 
So she starts this thing where she kind of marches and then she spanks her bum and (laughs) because she's annoyed. I don't know why she does this. She has this thing where she likes to spank her bum when she's like mad and she'll like stick it out at me. (laughs) Things like that. Um, It's about as ridiculous as it sounds. (laughs) So she's mad that I had sent her back to bed. So She's already dysregulated. She didn't sleep correctly, but she's also angry now. Plus, I forgot to tell you, she had had sugar yesterday. We try to keep as much sugar as possible away from this kid. And because her explosions after sugar are so huge, it's something that I can even say to her when she's calm. And I'm like, you you know, that wasn't okay. Yeah. Well, I cannot give you sugar if this is the way that you act. Okay. Like... It's because it's it's a very huge response day of, but it's also a big response for a couple of days after. So she's she <laughs> her sister has to go get her clothes because when she's like this, she's either going to cause fights or she tears apart the laundry room looking for like a shirt that she imagined she had once or a shirt that she saw um, years ago in a picture. So she'll just tear everything apart when she's feeling like this. And, and then she sings and she sings nonstop. So she'll also like pat her tummy and her head, or she'll pat on anyone that's coming by her while she's singing. And she takes her cereal and she misses breakfast because she tries to throw this cereal up in the air and catch it in her mouth. So she's not sitting and eating. She's picking the pieces that she's actually spilled on the table because the stuff that she's eating is in a bowl. And she'll throw it up and try and catch it in her mouth. So then, you know, I have to redirect her and I have to tell her, you know, hey, you got you to gotta eat your breakfast. So then she lays down on the kitchen bench and she tries to balance a Cheerio on the bench side, like a sideways Cheerio. And then I tell her, you know, nope, I need you to sit up. I need you to eat your, your breakfast. And so she'll flick the Cheerio across the room. <laughs> so then she reluctantly sits up to eat and decides that she should eat like a cat. So she sticks her face in the bowl and she's eating like a cat. So I tell her no. And by now I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting grumpy. So she uses a spoon And she fills her mouth to the point where it is so full. And then she spits all of the food back into the bowl. So by now, I'm done. This, I'm so annoyed. (laughs) So I tell her she has to sit up against the wall for a minute till she can calm down. And then she starts singing. And she sings and just like belts out a gigantic tune. So this is all in like five minutes. Then because she can't help herself. She's singing and then she starts dancing and then she grabs her sister's half-eaten sucker that she'd saved in a baggie, which of course makes her sister really angry. And she doesn't like that she got scolded. So now she's dysregulated even more. So soon she is sitting inside the toy box and she's alternating between being inside the toy box running to unlock the front door and then dancing to some Disney songs I turned on I turned on some songs so that she could like have something to distract her mind (laughs) oh and I'm in the background and this wears me down and I am sure that to everyone else her dancing looks adorable and onlookers are like oh 
oh, look at this adorable child you have. But to me, I know how dysregulated she is. And I know that we're headed towards a hill here, a, a hill that goes down. And she if she hits a certain trajectory point, trajectory means flying, I think, but I'm anyway, that we're going to hit a point where she is rolling down that hill and picking up steam into her dysregulation. So I am having to mitigate this. I don't want it to get worse. Well, I had given her her medication 40 minutes earlier. And part of me is like, where the heck is this medication? Why is this not kicking in? And so I'm watching her dance. And then she goes over to the donation box where we're donating toys to other kids. And she dumps it all over the floor. Now, when these are filled with all of her toys that she impulsively put in the box last week, because they were all of her favorite toys. And I quote her relatively quote her and say, and she's like, because another kid's going to need them and play with them. And I love other kids so much. And I want them to have everything that I have. And they will love it so much. And And I tell mental health professionals about these behaviors, because to me, these are manic behaviors. And I even looked it up so we could talk about it a little bit more today as to why I think they're manic. But I was looking at bphope.com and they were talking about what manic looks like in children. And they were kind of talking about it as bipolar. Um, But they were showing seven signs of a manic episode. And... (laughs) I mean, this is mostly just how my child just lives her life. So number one is a severe change in mood. So it says when heading for a manic episode, children with bipolar disorder, which I have never stated my child has ever had, that they will either become overly elated or extremely irritable. And I'm like, yeah, like this is just her every day. It's not even an episode. Her life is the episode. (laughs) It's either it's she just lives in very extremes. So then it talks about how sometimes they're like abnormally euphoric and super, super happy and silly and then or like super, super angry. And I think like this freaking roller coaster is the roller coaster. I think this is where it differentiates, but I'll have to look at the DSM five where the roller coaster in which she lives her life. I think bipolar, it's kind of slower and with her, it's, it's, you can hit this roller coaster wave eight times a day. It's crazy. Because as soon as she is done doing something absolutely exhausting and terrible, she's like, well, that was, that got it out. And then she's so happy. <laughs> it's like, whoa. And number two, unrealistic high in self-esteem. So it talks about delusions of grandeur. And I think, yeah, I mean, she's gotten to the point where we've talked through enough stuff that she can wrap her head around the fact that she can't do everything. But there was a good chunk of time where she didn't realize that she had limitations just by the mere fact that she is a human being. Um, Number three, elevated energy, a significant increase (laughs) or intense in intense energy levels that last a long period of time. Yes. And there are times where she will not go to bed. She cannot go to bed. And she doesn't, she's not like happy. She's been like really manic the whole day. And the manic shows up the way that I explained in her morning, where it's just like one thing after another, after another, after another. Um, 
but it's not necessarily happy, but it can be. Because when I turned on the Disney songs, she is like jumping and leaping and like lifting her arm out like an opera singer while she's singing along. Like she's just living in her feelings and those feelings at the moment are good. (laughs) So she is like, you can take a magnifying glass to those feelings. So number four, more talkative. (laughs) I don't even know. Even when she's angry, she's more talkative, but she will just tell you every little thing and every little piece of everything. Mom, look, there's grass. Look, there's probably one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And she'll just keep counting till she can't count anymore about the number of blades of grass that she sees. And, and look at that bird. And that bird probably has one, two, three, four feathers or, you know, and she'll just go on and it never ends. <laughs> it never ends. It's it's when she's angry. It's when she's happy. It's when she's sad. And when she's on her medication, which is a non-stimulant, she will slow down. And then she doesn't feel like she has to tell me about every blade of grass. She'll still tell me about stuff. Mom, look at all those blades of grass. But she doesn't feel like she needs to explain every single little piece and everything. And I understand that all of these things kind of overlap. But I'll explain more about that, I think, later when I talk about another mishap that occurred this morning. So number five, thought rapid thoughts and distractibility. (laughs) This is just kind of an explanation of her is easily distracted, unable to focus their attention like she is just searching for whatever else will keep her attention. And if she cannot find it, she will make it up herself. Number six, obsessions and compulsions. Your child may have periods of time when he becomes fixated on a certain idea that become and can become agitated or frustrated. This one doesn't really fit. She can get this way, but when you compare the intensity of all of the other things that she does, this one doesn't fit quite the same. And number seven, extreme behavior that causes problems. We've already talked about this. <laughs> In this one, they're talking about teenagers and above. I don't know how often they give a diagnosis of bipolar to someone little. And the truth is, I don't, in my own personal evaluation, I don't think she really fits bipolar. I think she fits more borderline personality. But I don't know how they overlap. Maybe they maybe they do both. But it talks about recklessness. And in the article, they're talking about teenage recklessness or adult recklessness where you're driving or you're abusing drugs and alcohol. Well, she's five years old. She's not going to do any of these things. She's, I'm not going to like let her, (laughs) I let her out of my sight long enough for her to find any of these things, but she just can't seem to not seek out those things that are I want to call it dopamine chasing because I know it is. But also, I think she gets a little bit of her high of her dopamine high from just being mischievous. I think that makes her feel good. And I I am going to jump to the conclusion and say, I think that's why a lot of kids do a lot of naughty behavior is because there's a thrill of wondering if you're going to get in trouble. And there's a thrill of, (gasps) I just got in trouble. What's this going to look like? And uh, there's plenty of kids that don't feel that way, but I do think that that's in here. So 
That's why I call her behaviors manic, even though I have no other reason to call them manic. I know her mental health professionals hate when I use that term, but because it matches, that's why I use that term. So back to the day, her behaviors continue. She's throwing toys and she's not doing it out of anger. She's doing it because it's fun. And none of these are terrible behaviors, but all of this from the beginning until the end of what I say is probably about 15 minutes. So there's a ton going on. It's really intense. Um, So she tries, (laughs) she starts trying to carry like every single toy in a big pile. And for some reason, she really wants to get them all up the stairs. So and while you're doing it, if you were watching her and she was dressed in like a clown outfit with makeup on, you would find it very fitting because she's being really overly dramatic with her actions. So she's, you know, whoa, whoa, kind of, you know, voice. Those of you who have like really intense kids probably know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) So it's during this last activity that I see that her medication's starting to kick in. And she's on a non-stimulant and it slows her down and it helps supposed to help her make good decisions by slowing her down and helping her use her prefrontal decision-making cortex. So I really think that it has for her. I it's guanfacine for any of those who are wondering and want to talk to your doctor about it. So I need to get better at citing my sources, but one day I was washing dishes and I was listening to a series of whatever was on YouTube and I was just kind of letting it play. And I heard a psychiatrist or a psychologist talk about different ADHD medications. And when he got to guanfacine, I was listening very well because she was already taking it, but he talked about how it lit up the prefrontal cortex. We will, well, you know, because we were already on it, I noticed that she was making better choices even on the days that she wasn't medicated. So I'm not saying that this is a magic key, but I do think for us that this played a role in why she's had such a better year this year than she did last year. So back to the story. So her medications kicked in and she's still belting out Disney songs at the top of her lungs, but she isn't manic. And there is a distinct difference between her being normal crazy and her being manic. And she cannot tell the difference. She doesn't know she's doing any of those things. She just feels perfectly normal in whatever it is she's doing. And she doesn't like having to be stopped. But every other person in the house can tell the difference. So while the quote normal crazy is overwhelming, it's toned down enough that her behaviors, like you can even see them as cute and not obnoxious. But when she's manic, it really is just like, just like you're watching, like just something. (laughs) I don't even know. I can't even think of a good example, but it's just go, 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 go. And there's nothing in there that ever pauses. There's nothing in there that ever thinks. It's just one thing to another, 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 and it just rolls down the hill. But I do like that her medication kicked in because we ended up having a bit of a, a being thrown for a loop in the day because her dad starts taking her to school and I had to call him and I was like, oh my gosh, honey, she has a doctor appointment. <laughs> well, she is terrified 
of getting shots. So all of us, you know, immediately when she realizes she has a doctor appointment, I thought it was tomorrow. It was today. She's afraid that she's going to get shot. So then she starts becoming dysregulated more so, but she doesn't have the manic because the medication has kicked in for her. So she slowed herself down a bit, but now she's still terrified because of the doctor's office. And so that visit was entertaining. Is that a good word? I can't think of another word that is like positive in any way. It was fine. She was fine. But she's touching everything and she's like climbing underneath the little paper sheet that's over the doctor's, I mean, the table that you sit on and she's touching every picture and she has to touch every chair and she has to like she's doing all these things. But I still wouldn't call that behavior manic. I would just call that more of like ADHD. But it's it's still constant and it's still intense. But the intensity level is way down. So what do we do? What do we do about these crazy behaviors? The only thing that I could think of and that I think has been beneficial other than the medicine is after she has calmed down, I walk her through verbally why her behaviors are too intense and why that doesn't benefit her. Because mine has reactive attachment disorder. You have to always frame it as to why it will benefit her. So I, she was sitting on the stairs today. She'd already gotten in trouble for something. It was, you know, kind of before any of the behaviors that I discussed. So it was right after she woke up and she's mad. And I'm telling her, you know, I don't want you to have a bad day, but if you keep these behaviors, you're going to get in trouble, then you're going to get mad and then you're going to have a bad day. And then if you have a bad day, you're not having a good day kind of stuff because she's five. So I'm kind of walking her through why this isn't going to be a good idea for her to be so upset and so whatever. And she can kind of pull herself in. Now, there are a lot of kids who can't pull themselves in, who can't say, oh, I recognize that behavior, I'm going to adjust. But we've been talking through things for years now. And she's she kind of understands. I've gotten to the point where I have said, I, I want what is best for you. I don't want bad things for you. Because again, we have the attachment portion in our relationship. And I'm like, I want good things. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be happy. I want you to be a successful grown up. And I think now over the time that we have talked through every single issue, and it has been probably thousands of hours, or at least in the plural, but she starts to believe me. And she starts realizing, oh, that's true. Because there were enough times where it would kick back at her and she'd be like, what was that? And I'd be like, that's what I was telling you about. Like, this is why your day is terrible. But even with her, she gets held in at school all the time for recess. And I will say, you've got to, you know, pull it in or your teacher is going to be upset at your behaviors and you're going to be in at recess. (gasps) Oh, and I luck out because she's a nice kid and she really does try hard. But the impulsivity is no joke. 
And for those of you who have children who are incredibly impulsive, just know I hear you and and I am just rooting and cheering for you because it is so much harder than you think it's going to be to try and keep your child regulated when they have no sense of any negative outcome. So my advice again is walk them through their decisions when they're in a place where they can and talk to them at the age level that they're acting. Because if they're 15 years old, but they're kind of acting like a four-year-old, explain it as simple, simply as you would a four-year-old. Just keep it very simple. And then you can build on that over time. And it is going to take hours, but that's okay. Because our goal is to raise adults who are capable of dealing with what society offers, what the world offers, whether it's keeping a job, whether it's having healthy relationships. And to do that really means taking the time at the beginning and slowly adding to it. And it's okay. It's going to be obnoxious. It's okay. Because the end point is that we have a child who becomes an adult who has a successful life in the fact that it's not unsuccessful. Anyway, thank you again so much for joining. I wish you all the best. Have a great day.